A somber time as Formula One would say goodbye to one of its true greats, Nicholas Latifi. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Let me just say on the record, I genuinely really like Nicholas Latifi and I wish him all the best in his future endeavours. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 410 of Motorsport 101, where we had a retirement masquerading as a Grand Prix. You know. <laughs> that like I literally, again, a bit of behind the scenes notes for you here. I literally have this script named as, quote, Formula One Sebastian Vettel Tribute Act. Because apparently... We had the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. It also existed. But uh, that was very much a thing. But uh, we'll be talking about that. And of course, the uh, the end of Sebastian Vettel's 299 race career. The end of Daniel Ricciardo. The end of Nicholas Latifi. The end of Mick Schumacher. God damn it. <laughs> that breaks my heart. Um, <laughs> like... All of that, and apparently there was an Abu Dhabi Grand Prix in there, and oh, great, what a surprise. Max Verstappen seal clubs the entire field again. <laughs> oh, dear. Right, before we get into that, though, let's go around the horn real quick. First up, Cam Buckley. How's it going, big man? It's going all right. You know, it's uh, right before Thanksgiving. Yes. Um, it's very cold up here in the Northeast, but, you know, I can take solace in the fact that I know that somewhere the W13 is burning in hell. <laughs> At least one of us can be warm. <laughs> you can see Lewis Hamilton is toasting his hands against it with s'mores as we speak. Um, just, just like, just hoping that fucker burns in the, in the, in the grand scheme of things. But uh, yeah, God, the end of the Mercedes W13, and it, and it, it died as it lived, mediocrely. I'm not sure that's even a word, but we'll, we'll go with it. We, uh, we we had to invent a new term to describe it. Yes, it was it was mid, more mid than an MJF promo. RJ O'Connell, how's it going, man? <laughs> First of all, to to our listeners that do celebrate American Thanksgiving, uh, please have a safe time with your families. If you if you're not in a position where you can be with your families, um. Please have, it's important to have people around you who care about you. I think that's, sometimes family is not who you're born into. Sometimes you find your family that really sticks your neck out for you. Um, and I, yeah, just, it, it feels like, it feels like a graduation ceremony. And Sebastian Vettel has graduated Formula One and is off to something. Don't know what it is, but I'm sure it's going to be great. Literally anything else would be better than continuing in that team. Welcome, <laughs> Fernando. She's your problem now. <laughs> oh, Who damn. is whose problem, you mean? Well. Yes. <laughs> I, was like, I think they're made for each other at this point I really think that Lawrence Stroll should get on the radio every few races and just ask Lance are you winning son <laughs> no it would be funnier if Fernando was doing that mm. <laughs> you'd shot Bach me down that back straight away with me and it's on <laughs> 
Thankfully, Lance didn't have to resort to that for a decent drive this weekend for Aston Martin. But uh, yeah, we'll talk more about them very, very briefly. But yes, as mentioned, the final F1 race of the season. Yes, we are doing a Formula One season review actually on the podcast this time around next week as we begin our run up to Christmas and our lovely postseason content. So that'll include the Motorsport 101 Awards, which you've got one week left. It's been... At a time of recording, which is November 23rd, at a time this goes out, probably the 24th, um, you'll have six days left. So if you haven't done your ballot already, it is pinned on our Twitter account, at motorsport underscore 101. Send in your nominations for the Motorsport 101 Award Show. We'll be doing that in two weeks' time as well. And if Autosport released their top 50, um, guess what? A certain someone's going to have to react to that shit. It was almost quite annoying because last year it was actually a semi-reasonable list outside of the whole "we're not going to mention Japan at all" thing. Yeah, um, I think maybe I think maybe in hindsight I want to mix things up, and I kind of like softened the blow of a lot of these. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I don't expect I don't expect there to be any big surprise at number one. Uh, no, uh, two through fifty. Okay, maybe like forty to two. I expect some. Expect some shenanigans. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. So like I said, when we don't know when Autosport released their top 50 list. They tend to mix it up every year. Formula 1s was obviously a bit late um, last year because the season ran long and they were getting dangerously close to Christmas. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. But as soon as it comes out, I promise to not read the article with the list in it. <laughs> and I will find out, probably alongside some of you guys, as to how to react to the top 50. God help us all. So that'll be in the run-up to Christmas. Stay tuned for some of that. Places you can find us. In the meantime, youtube.com forward slash motorsport101, facebook.com forward slash motorsport101, Twitter and motorsport underscore 101. Our personal handles at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, and at CBuckley917. Our Instagram, motorsport101pod. You can follow us for content updates over there. Um, our website, of course, motorsport101.com for all of that content, including the final part of my MotoGP season review. Um, it's about half an hour's worth of content. I really went to town on this one this year, I must say. It's the biggest season review I think I've ever done, funnily enough. And uh, yeah, if you want to check out all three parts, all three parts are now out on the website. Check the blog section. Part one, Honda Suzuki KTM. Uh, Aprilia and Yamaha in part two, and part three was Ducati, and well, <sighs> everything I didn't like about the sport this year, which, spoiler alert, was a lot. So uh, check that out if you haven't already. It's I think it came out as over eight thousand words in the end, so it's it's a deep dive. But you know, grab a hot chocolate. You know, it's it's that time of year. Maybe add some turkey. You know, it is again that time of year. Who's putting turkey in their hot Not chocolate together? You. God, no. Not, not like Next that. Next time on Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares. <laughs> uh, what is that? What the fuck is that? Etc. Um, no, but not not, like, not together. Separately, please. But that, that's on motorsport101.com. And of course, if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. You can check us out on there. Becky Backer, so you can get early access to these shows and access to our supporters um, club in our Discord. We can listen to these episodes live as they're going out. We've got JB and Jason in there. That I know are definitely in there. So shout out to you guys. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. 
I could put this off no longer, and I'm going to grab a box of tissues, because uh, let's talk about the retirement of one Sebastian Vettel. Okay, folks, let's get to the real reason why we're here. The, this was the final race in F1 for the retiring Sebastian Vettel, number 299. Like, isn't it doubly annoying that he missed two through COVID at the start of the year? We can't have the pleasure of a 300th race. We can't have, we can't even have I don't the know. Outlaw here of 301. I actually think, uh, I think him avoiding as much time as possible in the pre Spain. Free green bull has probably done wonders for his mental health. <laughs> Do you know that's also probably true? Oh. I, can't even, I, can't, I can't even argue with that. That's uh, that's 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 very true. Um, yes, but uh, in his 299th and final race, he struggled to make good on an Aston Martin, shall we say, questionable one stopper. I don't think you could call that strategy. <laughs> he almost made it work, and this was even after. Not only was the strategy disadvantageous, but, you know, they also had a problem on the pit stop itself. Of course. I think it was a 4.4, something like that, for a pit stop. His last pit stop, there was a 4.4. Yeah, he ended up... The worst for last, Seb. He he ended up 10th, and that would have been cool, but he was only, like, 0.8 of a second behind Daniel Ricciardo, who was having one of his rare good days in a McLaren. He finished in 9th. That ninth would have been sixth in the Constructors' Championship for Aston Martin and probably about 10 million quid in extra prize money Um, because they tied with Alfa Romeo. But, of course, it goes to countback, and Valtteri Bottas' fifth place in Imola breaks the tie over the four sixth places that Aston Martin had over the course of the year. So, uh, yeah, Alfa Romeo got sixth on countback in the end. They barely... Barely held on to it uh, in the end. But let's be honest. Who gives a fuck, really? Uh, We had a whole bunch of festivities and tributes to the departing legend of the sport. Let's talk about it and the end of, I think it's safe to say, a pretty incredible career. I agree. And, Dre, this is also one of the best send-offs the sport has seen. This is obviously like a product of, you know... Formula One being very much more influenced by American sport and they Mm -hmm. would have been under previous regimes. But Vettel got all the pomp and pageantry that a multi-time world champion, third all-time in the career wins list. You know, that's the kind of send-off that someone like that should go off with. Yeah, I I mean, I I I made the point on Twitter that, you know, I think it's a very unique scenario where Liberty Media bought the sport what I want to say six, seven years ago now. Um and we've not really had as high profile a retirement since then. Maybe Fernando, but then again Fernando came back. I think as you said, they've leaned more into the American style of pomp and pageantry, as RJ quite rightly says, I completely agree with him there. And, you know, Kimi Raikkonen might have been the only other name, and Raikkonen would not have wanted to go out this way because Kimi's just not that sort of dude. Mm. Um, you know, he wanted the lowbrow, keep it quiet, you know, just goodbye, everybody, sort of, 
you know, the, it's the Kimmy way. We know we know what his brand is. We know what his character was like. But no, this was this was fucking incredible. Like this was this really was the Sebastian Vettel weekend, and it, it felt special. And the, if you're doing that as a broadcaster, then you've done something right, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, as a Vettel fan, and you know, probably the internet's Vettel fan, given how long I've been around now, if you'd have said to me a decade ago, 2012, 2013, in the peak of his powers, that he would leave this sport as the great unifier, the real people's champion of Formula One, I would have said you were on narcotics. Like you would this, have been laughed out of the room. Yeah, like this was like ten years ago. He was being perceived as arrogant. He was perceived as killing the sport by some of his own rivals. Let's not forget. You know, oh, you know, he's he's going to kill the sport if he keeps winning too much. Multi twenty one. That Adrian Newey. That yeah. Adrian Newey is the most important man in Formula One. So oh yeah, say. yeah. You know all of that. You know multi twenty one, and you know the idea that we all got behind the, the team orders breaker. Uh, you know and. Gave him shit to the point where we were putting Darth Vader on our magazine covers to compare him to. Um, you know, it was if you'd have said that to me ten years ago, I said you were crazy. <laughs> and looking back on it now, this weekend and what we got, we got the entire grid going to dinner with him on Thursday. Lewis Hamilton organizing a, a, a grid wide dinner, um, and apparently he picked up the bill for it as well, which is pretty cool and. There like was we, a there was a photo of what appear what at first appeared to be the bill, and as it turns out, it wasn't the bill from that day at that restaurant. But I had a look at it, it's just like, yo, forty dollars a plate for French fries. Yeah, yeah, that's uh that's wild. Um, I was gonna say, I mean, we've seen a couple of these end of season dinners before. I think apparently it is a bit of a driver tradition. And apparently world champion picks up the tab, which I always think is quite funny. Um, although I do saw a story that Nico Rosberg didn't do that when he won the title in 2016. <laughs> I was like, could you what imagine? Are you, what are you guys going to do? Punish me next year? I'm retired. <laughs> so like, could, could you imagine the, the poor server that had to send the debit card read around 20 times? Uh. <laughs> oh, um. This is why you tip your bar staff, everybody. Um, but yeah, I mean, shit. I've never seen one where the entire grid, all 20 drivers up and down, was there in attendance. Never seen that before. The National Anthem, he got a guard of honor going back to his grid spot. Never seen that before, ever. You know, that is incredible. We've seen drivers get them coming out of the garages for the last time, but never on the grid. You know, a stand innovation before he got to the end of season team photo. Fist bumps all round with everybody. You know, multiple drivers dedicating their helmet designs for the weekend towards the man. We're talking about Mick Schumacher did. Lando Norris had a tribute on the back of his helmet. Um, Fernando Alonso dedicated his entire design. To Vettel's helmet design with the man. Could you consent. imagine saying that at any point in the past ever? N no, not in a million freaking years. F Fernando Alonso. Let's not forget. If anyone's listened to Vettel's final Beyond the Grid episode, I don't normally plug other podcasts on there, but I'll make an exception. They don't need the help. But um, the fact that 
Vettel openly said, me and Alonso aren't even all that close. And yet Alonso was like full emo for this man this weekend. Like, no, I'm going to dedicate my entire helmet design to you. I'm going to give you a handshake before I get in the car. I'm going to promise I'm not going to attack you on the first lap. Alonso was bending over backwards for this man. I thought we've really come full circle. Holy shit. We've we've come full circle. Um, you know, all of that. Hell, the what set me off at the end was F1 TV and the world feed producing their own end of season montage specifically for him. Um oh that's what I, I couldn't hold it down any longer at that don't point. Don't forget the F1. I mean, don't forget the uh, the intro to the race itself where yeah. they'll have all the drivers come out and it typically ends with Hamilton and Verstappen the the top two from last season is mm-hmm. like the last two drivers that you see. This time Vettel was the last driver you saw and I was watching through it like are they not even going to do a special intro and then as it was going along I'm like wait a minute where's Vettel? Ah, they did it. Yeah, they put Vettel in right at the end of a previously unused shot they had never done before. That was that was actually a quite a nice touch. They put Vettel in at the end of the intro. It was like everyone, everyone, everyone in our Discord when we watched the race marked out for that one. And we're like, yeah, there he is. That's awesome. Um, I I don't want to get too bold here. Have we ever seen? Someone in F1 this university loved on the way out before. Like this, this, this was special. This was incredibly special. I know, again, a part of that is the social media era that we live in, but I said before, maybe it's maybe it's the combination of a few different things. The fact that, you know, he has been a fantastic advocate for, you know, stuff off the track environmental work um anti-racism work you know pro the lgbt plus community which needs all the help it can get right now for tragic reasons shout out to everyone rest in peace to everyone over there in colorado horrible news this past weekend um but you know he's championed so many things off the track he's you know, driven at an, a super high level, when, you know, by any measure, one of the greatest of all time in terms of a career. But then also the stories that he was basically friends with everybody. The fact he would go out of his way to talk to people like Daniel Ricciardo when they were going through bad times and basically become like the loving uncle of the grid. I I cannot remember anyone that's been so universally liked on the way out. I mean, I I'm remember talk- like they talked, to, he talked, him and Lewis actually talked about the get to, the infamous get together mm. at the Baku race in 2017 break check al lago as we called it <laughs> and <laughs> Vettel actually and they basically came to the agreement that because of that little incident their friendship on and off the track actually benefited from it yeah. in, in a weird way it's it's incredible that one of the most outright awful things you can do on a racetrack ended up bringing closer together arguably the two greatest ambassadors this sport has ever had (laughs) like is it is incredible like when you think about it like that because these two are built different they are very reasonable very mature adults and you know they're getting up there towards their 40s now i mean hamilton is 38 in january vettel is i think 36 next year you know these are the elder statesmen. You, you, for, you almost forget that Vettel's been here 15 years, you know, sometimes, because it all has just gone 
so goddamn fast. But I wish we had more weekends like this, not just because someone's leaving, but just because a lot of the toxicity that we normally associate, and I don't even like using that word because it's, it's very vague, but a lot of the nastiness that comes with following this sport, and it has been a whole pile of nasty this season in one way or another. None of that was here this weekend. The main social media conduit that fuels a lot of it could have been could have fallen into ruins over this past weekend. And I was just thinking, well, if you're if you're if, if this is it, you better make it count. Let's let's bring out the most toxic behavior we can. Uh, not really, you know. I'm I'm glad that things played out like this. Ugh, I, yeah, I'm 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 really glad. It was just it was just a nice weekend where we could all just sit back and and pay tribute to a great driver and arguably an even better guy. And the one that jumped, I mean, even at the end, he got his own spot for donuts at the end. He got his own post race interview. We don't normally see that when they interview the top three and even his final words on an open mic where he just said, "Look, I hope." That you know, he, he, I love. It's an it's the most Sebastian Vettel retirement speech I could ever imagine because he mentioned how much of a privilege it is to be in this position, and saying that he hopes to, to continue to inspire others to speak out for what they believe in and to use their platforms for good. And just thanked everybody and especially Anti, um, his um longtime physical trainer and. Um, and Britta is a longtime PR assistant for God, the last decade plus. Um, but yeah, just that for me is Vettel's legacy, just as much as he was a great driver. He's also like, I spoke about it with a couple of people that also do shows and just them saying to me, they, it's not so much the change. It's just the growth of Vettel as a person that has become so obvious. Yeah. I'll be the first guy to admit he was a cookie little shithead 10 years ago. You know, like, I don't think the finger point was the antithesis of that, but there was absolutely a cocky arrogance about the man 10, 15 years ago when he first started in F1. And when all that winning came so soon in his career and the, uh, the, the whiny and the petty behavior was certainly there, but you compare the, the Vell of then to the Vell of now, and he's a totally different human being. It's, it's it's remarkable how we grow we grow up with these guys and they change like that. You know? Oh yeah. Absolutely. I I mean, obviously a lot of people get constant winners fatigue. Mm. So you've seen that with Hamilton, you're seeing it now with Verstappen, you saw it with Sebastian Vettel. And yeah, being brought down to earth with years of not that level of championship success. Uh, you know, that tends to alter people's perceptions of you when you finally get knocked off of your pedestal. But with Seb, this was like, this was a transformation. We get to see the man grow and mature before our very eyes to where he can be this universally loved and respected going away from the sport. And that's, that's really, that, that is something that's really cool. Incredibly so. I mean, Cam, what did you make of it all? Uh, you kind of said you kind of said at the start is who would have thought this guy would be the the ultimate unifier of F one grid and fandom a decade ago, even five years ago. Yeah, but 
he just comes across as a good dude. Mm. He's a nice dude, and everything as as an ambassador that he's done for the sport, you know, going back, going back as far as you know, whenever you want to go to, really. I think he leaves Formula One a better place than he than when he entered it. I'd like to think so. Um, I still think it's got a lot of work to do in a lot of key areas, um, but it's nice that he has done so much alongside Lewis to champion good causes. And again, would you ever have imagined even five years ago? And let's be honest, the murder of George Floyd did inspire a lot of people in sport and beyond to recognize their privilege and what they could use their platforms for. But it's remarkable that, you know, these Vettel's become one of the sport's greatest allies in that regard. We've never, we, we rarely would ever see racing drivers speak their mind about these issues. Like it's clear that, that in the wake of all that, the uprising against racial inequity in 2020 that we had, that a lot of people wanted to make a statement simply for transparent PR purposes to not want to end up on the wrong side of history. Should Mm. things, should things escalate from there? Mm. And then there are some people that were, that were really investigate invested in doing the work and being a good ally to these causes. And I, I truly believe that Sebastian Vettel is, and rightfully so these in the latter of that category. Yeah. Well, I said, we've, I've barely scratched the surface. He auctioned off a helmet to help children in Africa back in Turkey. That was his final Ferrari podium weekend. I, I, I joked about it. I never fucking thought in a million years I'd see him on fucking question time in the UK, challenging the worst of the UK's politicians and influences about climate change and recognizing his own hypocrisy as a Formula One driver saying this. Uh, but handling it in a mature and disciplined manner and saying, well, look, yeah, you're absolutely right. It is a, it is a hypocritical to a degree, but I'm thinking about what I can do with my platform and how I can offset some of that. And I'm not using my platform to make things worse. Using this platform yep. to make things better. That's, you know, mm-hmm. sa- saving the bees and, you know, again, a lot of environmental work. And he was championing that all season long. I mean, you can you can buy one, a replica of one of his T-shirts he's wore on the grid over the last two years on his website right now. I'll be honest, they're a little pricey. But, the, you know, again, none of the little things I didn't realize about this until I went on this store to click, it actually breaks down the exact cost of where it all comes from. You know, the materials, the printing, and the donation towards charity as well, because 30 euros goes towards Vettel's environmental causes as well. Um, I've never seen anybody do that before. Awesome. Genuinely cool stuff. Full transparency about the product and where it is and why it is what it is. Again, I wish more places did that. It's the little things, man. But, yeah, just what an incredible tribute. And, yeah, off the track, remarkable guy. On the track, pretty goddamn good. I've said it before. I think you're looking at one of the five or six greatest F1 drivers that's ever walked this earth. I know many people will agree with, will disagree with me. I will ask them to casually bite me um, in response to that. Um, 
Um, I've I'm I've spent ten years trying to convince people how good he is. I've given up that fight at this point. But I mean, here's the thing. Yeah. At this stage now, you don't have to do any convincing because I think now, and yeah, it comes with the caveats that there were some tough years at the end of it. They don't need to be convinced anymore. Like if there if there are still hardened people who will never believe he's that good. If, that, we if can't that's help. what you're still invested in, then uh, you do. We can't. You. We can't help you. But but today, tomorrow, and forever, Sebastian Vettel is a four-time champion of the world. The key stats one more time. Four world championships, 299 races, 53 wins, 57 pole positions, 38 fastest laps, 122 podiums, 3,098 career points. It's the third greatest career in F1 history on pure stats alone. You know, read or enter counting stats what you will, but those are outrageous numbers. Outrageous. Like, it's only two guys in history have got outright better careers than him, and they're arguably the two best F1 drivers that's ever walked this earth, and that's Michael and Lewis. Well, and <sighs> if you want to act like he's the problem at Ferrari, I wonder how this year went for them. <laughs> we'll get into that very shortly. Um, but, yeah. I eagerly await the next chapter of of whatever Seb decides to do. I mean, fuck. Barely two hours after his final F1 race happens, he hops on his own Instagram account, goes live, and talks about climate change, keeping the pressure up, and the invitation t-shirt he wore <laughs> on the grid for his final race. This is mere minutes after he has hung up the gloves for the final time. That's the sort of person this guy is. It's actually remarkable. I couldn't believe that when I saw it. Um, I actually love the final shot of him leaving his helmet and his gloves on the track. It reminded me of, and I know this was tarnished by the fact that he came back to wrestle later, but do you remember when The Undertaker left his hat and gloves oh, and yeah. tape in the ring at WrestleMania in Orlando a couple years back? That that was pretty cool. I like that shot. I like that he got a special interview after the race. I like all the special attention. And heck, he had a pretty good race, compromised by strategy and a bad pit stop to show you that yeah, he's 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 going out with something left in the tank. <sighs> I said it on Twitter on Sunday. Always leave them wanting a bit more. That's always the coolest way to go out. And I'd like to think this final season was a reminder that he's still got something left if he wants oh, that, to. That final qualifying session was some of the some of the best I've seen out of Seb in a very, very long time. Yeah. Great driving. Great driving all the way through. His second half of the season in general has been fantastic. Like ever since the retirement announcement, he's driven out of his skin in that Aston Martin. He grabbed that green sled by the scruff of its neck, and as he almost got him over the line to sixth in the constructors, mm. almost. God damn it, he tried. Like I said, half a point shy. Um, but yeah, you know. It's, yeah, the, the other guy was too busy committing war crimes on straights. <laughs> but yeah, what a time. Um, yeah, like I said, I 
thoroughly look forward to whatever the man decides to do next, whether it be on the track or off it. It's going to be fascinating to see what Vettel does with the rest of his life. And the fact he kept so much of it quiet for so long is probably what makes it so intriguing. He is an incredibly private person when he wants to be. You rarely ever see his wife and children, ever. And they go to great lengths to protect him. And it's it's very admirable. Like one of the biggest, one of the genuine biggest surprises of the year was the fact he just got an Instagram account. Like that was. Stop Everyone me. was hyped out of their minds, and then the next day he retired that he was hanging it up. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, that hit me for six. Um, but yeah, just uh, a, a remarkable man, a remarkable career. Sebastian, it's been an honor and a privilege to watch you drive, and uh, the very best of luck in whatever you decide to do next. It's going to be fascinating, and I look forward to it. I can't agree more. And, you know... We were all watching the race together. Mm. I know, I know you couldn't hold it in at the very end. <laughs> you and your brother couldn't hold it in at the end, and mm. and that's totally fine. That's that's what that's the that's what sports should do for us is bring us to emotion at the at the most is to bring us to tears in the best of ways when when things are this good, right. <laughs> Oh no, he's absolutely right. I just couldn't hold it down at the end. Like I, I was, I promised myself I wouldn't, but that's a stupid promise. It's it's men. That fi- it's it's that okay final, to cry. That final montage got a lot of people. Oh, forgot me. Hook line and Ryan. Hook line and sinker. <laughs> oh god, it, it, it was that and the helmet and gloves picture. That oh god, that was. Oh, that was a day, let me tell you. Oh, man, that was a tough one. Um, should we talk about the Grand Prix a bit? Because that, that, that did happen. Yeah, I guess it happened. Uh, Matt Verstappen just wanted lights to flag. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, you can, you can change when we run it in the year. You can revise the track all you want. But there is one inescapable fact of life. This track is cheeks. <laughs> it's very lavishly appointed cheeks. Yeah, I mean, I wrote in my notes here, Verstappen took control of the weekend pretty much from top to bottom. Seventh pole position of the year. Fifteenth win of 2022. Um, pushing the outright win for a single season record even further into touch. Um yeah, I mean, we just didn't have a lot of tire wear. We thought this was going to be a two-stopper, a pretty aggressive tire wear sort of race. It just wasn't in the end. And Max was able to stretch it out to a one-stopper and he forced Ferrari's Charles Leclerc to run with him on the same strategy to have any hope um, because Perez was two-stopping behind. So Red Bull effectively played the pincer. Um, they had to force Charles to go into a one-stop. He could do it, but he wasn't as fast on his one stopper and God bless him. Charles tried. Um, <laughs> he, he really, has say, to, just, the, you know, Charles could not have driven any better this weekend. And no, he was excellent. All weekend. And just got clubbed because Max yeah. was just more or less tip telling for the entire final stint and beat him by eight seconds. Cause you know, yeah, that's just how Dude. it's gone this year. I mean, at this point, Max, Max is just pounding wet chunks of skull into the floorboards. Yeah, it's 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 been like that for most of the season, unfortunately, and this was no different. 
Perez gave it the old college try at the end by running the more aggressive two-stopper. Horner said after the race that it was like, well, we either go to a one-stopper and are a sitting duck at the end, or we can try to attack. He chose the attacking option, and Perez had to gun down a 10-second gap with something like 11 laps to go. Um, just fell short, about 0.8 over the line in the end. One more lap, and Perez has a reasonable chance of of getting him, but, um, he botched, uh, trying to come back through, uh, as, as we call it on the show, the big Dick six, mm-hmm. um, just put a sloppy pass on Hamilton. Hamilton got him back on the next straight. And that extra lap behind Lewis, where the Mercedes was cheeks this weekend, mm. dude, I, I know this was, this was the cut. This was the crash back down to earth after the win in Brazil. Oh, they yeah. were bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were they were not a factor for the win anyway, but Lewis Hamilton breaking down with a gearbox failure cements the fact that his consecutive a streak of consecutive winning seasons in the sport of Formula One will come to an end at 15 straight years, the same number that Michael Schumacher had from 1992 to 2006. I do also need to reinforce, do you know how many drivers would be happy to get 15 years in the sport at all? Let alone fifteen winning years. <laughs> this was ridiculous. <laughs> also went 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 without a pole this year. To me, it's yeah. actually an even more surprising stat because Mercedes did sneak the occasional. Mercedes fans were ready to treat. Uh, Mercedes fans were ready to treat that uh, that W thirteen like it was Tommy DeVito about to be whacked. <laughs> <laughs> the Mercedes That's... W13 looking into the empty room and just going, ah, oh, shit, bang. <laughs> Mercedes, t- Mercedes W13 adding failure to this complete breakfast. Uh, <laughs> this is the second time we've referenced the Ultima review. Oh, God. <laughs> don't, don't drive with W13, brain. Your eyes will just start bouncing. Oh no no no! Yeah, I said before it was like Brazil with 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 Ocon's car in the back after the sprint. It was it was getting the Viking burial treatment right here. Like, yep, the the, the W13 died at its as it lived in mediocre fashion. Um, I like that they tried an innovative concept, but it was an innovative tried, concept that didn't work. Yeah, they tried a moonshot, and unfortunately, um, well, they they had a point of the wrong way. Convention always wins. Um, Charles Leclerc go that far. Charles Leclerc drove wonderfully. Um, You know, I can't be that upset that Perez lost it by more than the points that he stood to gain a week ago in Brazil. Don't like yeah, that ended up. It's it's it ended up being the most nothing of burgers. Yeah, because he lost out by three. Like Perez was giving it all he could, but they were just like. Tiny little mistakes in the end that added up to him not being able to catch Leclerc in the end. No, the it's first stint he just in the first stint he just destroyed his tires trying to keep up with Max. Yeah, and that's the irony. This is the guy who, even in his younger years, was known as the tire whisperer. I I think that has gone quite firmly to the other side of the garage because all I mean all year, Max has had better tire wear than Perez, even when the car uh, fit Perez a little bit better early on. Um. Man, this track is cheeks. Stop coming here for the finale. Please. You know they won't. 
because they're they're paying too much money to have this as the last race of the event and it is lavishly appointed you can eat your dinner directly off of the floor of the ho- of the hospitality rooms and media centers it is that lavishly appointed uh the racetrack's still kind of cheeks even with the new mm. regulations which are doing their job can i also say as well charles leclerc fantastic season i know Mm. I guess second. you don't get bonus money for second in the championship. He obviously wanted to be first. He probably should have been first after the form of the season. But to get that result when Ferrari were in, were basically the main character of the summer in Formula One. Why are we giving them credit for coming second in a two-horse race? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can compliment the driver and still be critical of the, t- the shit show of a team he drives Oh, oh absolutely. Look. Leclerc when was we do not our season the problem. When we do our season review, both Leclerc and Signs, all Signs to a lesser extent, he was a little bit messy this year. Mm. They get immunity, yeah, from the, the haunts show. Yeah, look, gonna know it more in the season review, but mm, it goes yeah. back to like the whole thing about maybe Sebastian Vettel was not the problem at Ferrari the whole time. Just, just a thought. Just a thought. I mean, yeah. Because with that, Charles Leclerc finishing second means he takes second in the Drivers' Championship, because it means Ferrari takes second in the Constructors' Championship um, as well, because obviously they, they had to defend a 19-point lead going into this race, and obviously Merckx weren't going to beat them after Hamilton's car died. So, yeah, congrats, I guess, in inverted commas to, to Ferrari for that. Congratulations. You lost by nearly 150 points with the fastest car in the first half you of the You had year. your most successful season of four years, and everybody thinks of it as a failure. Yeah. Especially like a- from within. Yeah, it's like you, you you massively improved on last year. Too bad you were terrible. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's amazing how ironic this is because people would have probably taken Ferrari last year's season better when they were like fighting McLaren for third. Like this, that kind of just says all it needs to say about McLaren. They who, were a glorified by the way, midfielder in twenty twenty. Right. Yep, that is glorified. They stank. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 remarkable um, how how badly it all turned out for Ferrari. And again, as as mentioned, um, we'll be talking about that in a lot more detail on our F one season review next week. But yeah, Hamilton, like I said, said yeah, Verstappen, uh, Leclerc, Perez, top three. Ironically, also the top three in the championship as well. Funny how that turned out in the end. Um, also, before we got out, it before we move on to the last case about finishing off the grid for next year as well. Salute to Daniel Ricciardo. It was announced today he's actually going back to Red Bull Racing as a third driver and backup. I'm not going to get into the conspiracy nut job theories about Checo and how that relates to it. I'm just happy that Daniel Ricciardo is happy. You <laughs> could not live with your own failure. <laughs> Where did that bring you? Back to me. Oh. I do like J.R. Hildebrand's take on it that, like, you know, it didn't work out at McLaren. So, whatever he learns in the simulator, he could probably benefit from it, whether he comes back to Formula One racing or not. Who the hell knows? But, man, it should have gone a lot better than this. Yeah, it really should have done. I mean, it's, it's, it's sad because Daniel Ricciardo. At his best, is one of the most entertaining drivers you will ever watch in Formula One. He is lightning in a bottle. Um, incredible overtaking ability, incredibly, you know, 
rides the limit perfectly when he knows his car well. He was a fantastic driver at Red Bull Racing. Um, won eight. That's just, the joke I always say to people all the time is he won eight times. He didn't have the best car in any one of those eight wins at nope. any point. Like it's crazy the how how, <clears throat> how well of a career Ricardo was crafted out for himself, despite never being the number one car ever. It's it's actually kind of crazy. His 2020 season at Renault was outstanding. I, t- I talk about it all the time. He. He was giving He's a Renault. genuine driver of the year contender. He was being he was a pound for pound best driver in the grid, and all it took was one move to just completely undo that. And oh, by the way, in that stint in McLaren that was largely a disaster, there's one big outlier: the team's first win in nine years. Yeah, only win in nine years. Yeah. Sorry, Lando. Uh, it, it was it was Daniel's win, not yours. Um, yeah. Look, I've I've read interviews of Daniel talking about this. He went into some detail with motorsport.com where he basically said, look, I just want to be happy again. And he didn't want to drive for a seat that he didn't feel like he was going to be happy in. And he wanted to take a year out from being a full-time driver, work on his mental health, and just not have to be coping with the pressure of being a full-time racing driver. And that's admirable. That's incredibly admirable. And look, I've joked about it before. I've said it many a time, not all money is good money. And, you know, if it makes Daniel happy to do this and be a third driver and drive some Sims and do some demo runs and be back in purple for a bit, then more power to him as far as I'm concerned. Whatever he needs to rebuild his stock, not only in the public, but in his own mind, do it. Yeah. He gives a fuck what we think. Like, do what makes you happy. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Drive for Haas? (laughs) Yeah, I, I knew that was that was that was decidedly not on the table. Yeah, and and, and, Gun- and Gunther was twerking for him hard. He wanted R- Ricardo in that car hardcore, <laughs> and, and and Ricardo was like, no, no. Nar. Um, and uh, as a as a as a fitting segue. The 2023 grid is now complete. We now Yay. know what the grid will look like. Um, Haas sadly confirmed on Thursday, because we do like him, Mick Schumacher will be released from Haas at the end of the year. I mean, even the fucking goodbye was awkward. He wasn't even allowed to do donuts at the end, and he was told on the radio, please stop doing donuts, and then Mick has to go, well, I love you too. And... The the one that got me was when he was asked, "Oh, did um did you get did you feel like you got the right support from Hass in your career?" And he said, "Well, Sebastian Vettel gave me great support." <clears throat> Which Haas uh, never never properly wanted him, so they got rid of him, and he'll be replaced by famous no podium sitter Nico Hulkenberg. Um, and well, that only left one seat left, and that was the backup seat at Williams, the number two seat there. And well, Logan Sargent nursed his car home, didn't get into any major scraps because there was many in the final Formula Two uh, weekend of the season, but finished fourth overall in the championship, which means he has a super license, and that means he will be on the grid full-time with Williams in 2023 alongside Alex <clears throat> Albon. That is your complete 2023 grid. I mean, let's let's talk Haas first here in a bit more detail because we now got the confirmation that Nico Hulkenberg is taking that seat. Hulkenback after Hulkenback! After three years of uh, non-only part-time competition and standings seen the world over, Hulkenberg is back. 
I and see this goes, as an, the crowd yeah, goes the, mild. Yeah, the crowd goes. I'm gonna get into it more on the season review, but this is like this is like an NFL team. They have a talented young quarterback who doesn't have it all together. They got the tools, but isn't really applying them. And they've decided after two seasons, we've seen enough for you. You're costing us wins. You're costing us the opportunity to compete for a Super Bowl. So we're going to bring in this guy who's like been like 12 different teams in like 10 different seasons, who, who can't throw the ball more than like 25 yards down the field, who can't scramble, but he's got a good veteran presence. And the difference is in an NFL team, you can at least get bailed out by playmakers in the backfield at wide receiver, tight end. You know, if it's good, solid offensive line, it's just one dude in a Formula One car at any given moment. This is both simultaneously from Gene Haas, ruthlessly impatient, mm. because I truly do feel like if they'd given Mick Schumacher one more year in this style of car, you have a you have a solid point scorer who can match and outperform Kevin Magnuson over the rest of the season. Kevin Magnuson, for at least the first half of the season, by and large, showed that, yeah, he should have never lost his place in Formula One to begin with. This was this was ruthlessly impatient from Gene Haas and also incredibly unambitious in thinking. It's like, to use another gridiron football analogy, it's like punting from the opponents. It's like punting on fourth and one inside your opponent's territory because you don't trust your quarterback or your, anybody it's else. It's in the in 99th team. percentile of cowardly punts. It's, yeah. it, it is a high surrender ants move. And look, I'd love to be proven wrong if Nico Hulkenberg suddenly turns up and has the the season that <laughs> right out of his like 2013 vintage. Mm. I just but don't see he, it. I, I'm of the opinion that Hulkenberg never should have lost the Renault seat. You agreed. Um, because that's just been a rotating door of drivers ever since. Mm. And I think that the people who overrate him and the people who underrate him, I'm somewhere in the middle. Yeah. This is going to be the worst equipment he's had to work with probably ever. I'd say so. What are we expecting out of this? I mean, I mean, Haas tanked a season and a half to be exactly what they were in 2019. Yeah. Still bottom end of the field. They were eighth overall in the constructors this year. They just held on to it from Alpha Tauri at the end. Um, this was another poor season from Haas. And look, I'll be real with you. I'm on the upper end of the Hulkenberg scale. Like, okay, much is made of the fact that he's never had a podium finish and he's probably coughed up two or three chances to get him. And he's not going to get one at the going trend at Haas. It's no, like, who, no. who benefits from this? It's like, Nico Hulkenberg's going to come back for another season to do what? Keep the seat warm for someone else? It's like, and I've, and I've, talked about this with other people that have told me well Mick Schumacher is a failure he made too many mistakes and he's never going to live up to his potential I'm like we can have that debate of whether or not Mick's going to be a seven-time world champion like his father I, I personally don't see it but I feel like people are being way way too harsh on him and keep in mind this was a driver who bookended the season by swatting points off of the table and onto the floor at the start of the season and having the worst case of deja vu by punning Nicholas Latifi from behind in Abu Dhabi from the, for the those who got into it for the second year in a row. Mm. 
I don't think I've seen all there is to see out of Mick Schumacher as a Formula One driver. Now, the good news is it's looking like he'll have a third driver role lined up at Mercedes. Possibly out soon. That's that's the going rumor. It looks like him and Ferrari, there's no path of advancement there. That's pretty much what this boils mm. down to. Um, but it's just... I, I it's, agree. It's just... It's a move lacking any and all inspiration. Yeah, it's just... It's, it's, it's like... Having, you could have had him two years ago. It's 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 like having dry toast. It's just like it's just bland. You, you, you just look at it and you go, "There's yeah. no butter in the house. None. We're at a jam. Yep. The toaster's on the fritz, so one side is soggy while the other side is burnt." Daniel yeah. Ricciardo doesn't want to race for us. Giovinazzi crashed in FP1. Boris Diaw is French. <laughs> I mean, it's it's. It's, it's it's a hard deal. I mean, Mick, the second half of this season, no doubt proved that he can be as good as Kevin Magnussen. And we, we liked K-Mag on this show. Oh, when got- K-Mag should have never lost his seat. The reason why he was out at the end of 2020 had nothing to do with his on-track performance. Right. Um, And and even in this race where Mick had kind of an embarrassing clash with Latifi. Mm -hmm. Oh, you can cut kind of. That was it was. was, That's that's doing a lot of the heavy lifting. It was a very stupid crash Mm. with a penalty. Very well earned. Yeah. He still beat Magnuson on the weekend. (sighs) Yeah. Like Mick has proven that he's good enough to be there. And if you're Haas and you've got a genuinely talented young driver in your team, nurture that. Like I don't. This is what I don't understand. It 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 just screams to me that you went all in on youth by taking Schumacher and Mazepin, right? And look, I still maintain to this day that the Mazepin is a complete dick. That he should have been better in F1 than he turned out being. His junior record was not abysmal by any stretch of the imagination, right? It yeah, should have can, worked out better. Right? Yeah. But it didn't, yeah. for better and for worse. But what was the point of you going down the youth road if you just wanted to go back to having experienced drivers in the end? You've just Schumacher wasted did, everyone's time. Yeah. Schumacher did bring sponsorship with him. That was also part of the the sweetener of the deal. And also, hey, you know, we signed the son of a seven-time Formula One world champion and the top prospect for our driver academy. Um, there were just a lot of dead ends shutting down. Like, yeah, in Hulkenberg, you probably get a driver that doesn't rack up your damage bill with spectacular crashes. But I don't know how much money. You're how much gonna... does a front? How much does a Formula One front wing cost? Enough money. Magnussen <laughs> <laughs> burnt through quite a few of those this year. Famously, free bo- meatball flags in the first half of the season. Free, and they so were race wreckers. I suppose it was better than breaking the car in half, is like what Mick did in Monaco. I guess, but, but you know, still, that that's an, an element of risk you take by taking a rookie on in your team. That's something you've got to accept in the back of your head when you take someone that's coming off a Formula Two. They're not all going to be Charles Leclerc level prospects the moment they step into a car. In fact, those sorts of talents are rare. We've just been spoiled with them. It's like it's like playing Pokemon and to getting three shinies at once. Dre, yes. to that effect, Charles Leclerc, who for his first five or six races in F1, looked like a bust. 
Yeah. And then he got his shit together. Absolutely. But, you know, that's that's how it is. If, if Haas wants to be unambitious, they can. I just hope they have the results to back it up and justify what their decision-making, because right now, they look cheeks. There's no getting around it. Please, with your brand-new MoneyGram sponsorship and your Team Suck My Balls Honey t-shirts that will I'm sure will be printed sometime next season, please prove us wrong. Indeed. Williams, Logan Sargent, I mean, okay. Yeah. I like I... it. It's fine. I mean, it's American fine. bias aside, um, there's a level of risk to this because two years ago, Logan Sargent was pushing dudes like Oscar Piastri and Teo Porcher, who are m- held in much higher regard as Formula One prospects, all the way to the last round of the Formula Three championship. Then <clears throat> his parents got in some trouble. And that adversely impacted his career. Like he was ready to pack it up and be done with any pursuit of racing in Formula One. Like he all like he, he put together a piecemeal deal to race in F3 in 2021. And then he was on his way to test an IndyCar when Williams was just like, uh, you want to be our development driver next year? And we'll give you an F2 seat and a possible road to F1. And he made the most of it. He finished fourth in the standings despite, you know, struggles early on. He had feature race wins in Silverstone and in Austria. It looked a little ropey at the end, but he managed to squeak out fourth in the points. And I'm curious to see where this goes. I ultimately think, and I hate to bring this up, but I ultimately feel like Colton Herta has a bit more upside than Logan Sargent does when it comes to finding the next American superstar in Formula One. But I am kind, I am inclined to believe that Logan Sargent has the ability to impress that Williams. I guess for me, Dre, it's just like, mm. what's an appropriate benchmark for him in his rookie season? Um, what, what should what should the perform what should the standard be? Because if you, if you can keep it clean, with, yeah, keep, it, keep, keep it clean. If you can take maybe seven or eight rounds out of Alex Albon head to head, I don't think there'd be too many complaints. We know Alex Albon is good, right? And, and he is a, a a good yardstick for someone like Logan, a good midfield-level driver is what I think yeah. Alex Albon is. You know, if he's anywhere close, that's a very good rookie season as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, like, I agree. Um, you can't expect someone to walk into that team with Alex Albon, who, by the way, has had a very good season this year. Oh, yeah. um, for Williams. Pound for pound, the, he's not the problem with Williams. And no. I'd argue that he's come back an even better driver than he was when he was let go from Red Bull. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of that's going to depend on uh, the kind of car that Williams produces for next year because, really, they spent most of this year kind of hanging on to the midfield often just behind mm. at Monza, they were ahead famously mm. uh, in Nick DeFries's case, but they have to give both of those guys the equipment to be able to go fight. So we can actually measure them properly against their peers. Cause as right. it stands right now. Williams remains the worst team in formula one. It's it's not what it was a couple of years ago. It's not 2019. Definitely not. Where they showed up with a car that was slow, ugly, and illegal all at once. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's certainly we, better. 
we need to see improvement continuing from them. Um, so we can really benchmark Sergeant Albon. Yeah, that's fair. They are such an outlier team in the grand scheme of things right now, and that's that, that makes them tricky to evaluate in general, you know? So that that's always going to be a problem. But, you know, and like hey, I said... Formula One gets free Florida Man headlines for at least another season. Yeah, <coughs> that's always fun, right? Who doesn't love that? So, yeah, like, Sergeant... You know, it's it's low risk, high reward potentially, and it's good for the sport that there is an American in there. It's the first full time American we've had since two thousand and six. Scott Speed was the last full time. We don't American talk about man. it. We don't talk about him and his bone are that big. Um, you know, it's oof, you know, it's 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 a long time ago. If you know, you know, folks, <laughs> YouTube it. But um, yeah. We've come a long way since then. So, I mean, look, I personally think he's a bit of a black hole of charisma, so I, I don't know how much of a, of a needle mover he's going to be for F1 as it tries so hard to tap into the American market, especially given he's on the worst team in the field. But it's something. We can take that. But, I'll uh, take it. Like, I don't have much national pride outside of international sporting events. Even ones that are, you know, propped up by uh, by the up by the most corrupt upper zero point one percent of uh, for James. Mm. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see how that goes. But that's it. That's the twenty twenty two Formula One season. We're all done here. We'll talk about it a little bit more in detail next week for our Formula One season review, an extended edition where we'll talk about all the teams, the state of the sport in general. All of that will be on next week's show, our final proper uh, final proper show of 2022. And again, we'll get into some of our postseason stuff as well, like mentioned. The awards are next week. Please get them in. I will actually leave a link to, in, to, to the ballot box in the description of this show. So you can check that out already. Remember, you've got until November 30th, final day in November, uh, to get your ballots in. And then, of course, us, the, the, the esteemed panel, in suits, of course, we'll be here for the award show, and, and that'll be next week. So you can check that out then. Um, and again, we'll, we'll be back also for the Autosport Top 50 whenever that drops. So that will do. Um, so that'll do it for Formula One this season. What an adventure we had. Um, <laughs> what a time. Uh, again, more on that next week. But uh, hey. Uh, Facebook, you can find us one more time, youtube.com forward slash motorsport101, facebook.com forward slash motorsport101, Twitter at motorsport underscore 101, our personal handles at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, and at cbuckley917. Um, website, motorsport101.com. Again, check out the two-wheeled version of this review. Our, our MotoGP season review is up there in the blog section, as well as all of our episodes and videos are on there as well. And of course, if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 for big backers at the five dollar level you can get uh, early access to our shows 10 bucks into the supporters club you can listen to them live as they're being recorded shout out to jason jb and uh sock in there for listening in thanks for joining us guys much appreciated your feedback was lovely uh all of that we'll be back next week for our formula one 2022 season review until then i've been dre harrison they've been rj o'connell and cam buckley and until next time thanks sep Sign our. Thank you, y'all. You know, 
Alonzo's stint at Alpine could only have ever ended in an engine failure. <laughs> it was the only way he could go. It's his sixth DNF of the year. Or on yeah. them next week. <laughs>